Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. We're on Twitter. What? We're on Facebook. What's a Facebook? We're on Instagram. <laughs> and we are on the WWW. But guess what else we're on? What? We're on YouTube! Oh! <laughs> YouTube! That's right. We have our own channel. Oh. Yes, there you can find our episodes, some trailers, and a whole lot more we're cooking up. And we have a very, very special opportunity for you. That's right. If you subscribe at YouTube, our channel there, this month of July, you will be entered to win a custom watching plan from Why Watch That. If you win, yeah, we'll tell you, hey, here's some things for you, just you, to check out. We will curate that thing for you. Ew, why watch that? We're kind of nice over here, aren't we? We sure are. So if you're interested in that, and heck, you should be on the YouTube anyway. The YouTube. See, I was saying like, oh, man. <laughs> Not just a YouTube. <laughs> be on the YouTube anyway at our channel, Why Watch That. Subscribe in July, and maybe you'll know what to watch from here forth. So why watch that TV talk? And we're back at it again. This time, like I said, we've moved past these new shows and gone gone to some, some familiar territory. And let's start with some season premieres, namely The Deuce, which is on HBO. This is its final season. It is season three. Just nine episodes, and remember these release one by one on HBO, so it's not like you can go binge it. Uh, very familiar cast. I remember when you first started reviewing this show, I thought, okay. <laughs> <laughs> definitely an era was the 70s. Um, did we make it to the 80s? I'm not sure if we made it into the 80s or not. Um, but the cast is is familiar, and they require them to go into places where no man should go, <laughs> or men do go. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, and we are in the '80s now. Uh, this is the final season, as was planned, uh, and we're in the mid '80s, '84, '85. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, we are dealing oh, the, with yeah the AIDS era starting to bring to to come out, and then we're probably going to see some of that. Exactly. So keep in mind, the deuce is, it, it started uh, with prostitution, which then uh, morphed into the porn industry. Mm-hmm. So one of the main characters played by Maggie Gyllenhaal, she was a prostitute. She didn't have a pimp in the 70s, walking the street. Mm-hmm. How did she get away with that? In New York, mind you. In right? New York. Or the, the deuce is 42nd Street. And this ain't... Yes. 90s 42nd Street and on. Right. 
this is the 42nd Street where you might get cut. <laughs> okay. And especially in the 80s, this was the height of that badness. <laughs> <laughs> so we've actually built up to it and they talk about it because we do see the cops as well. There are all kinds of angles. It's, you know, look, this is like what you get from the wire, that kind of look at a city. Oh, uh, yeah. So you get all kinds of angles. So Maggie Gyllenhaal's uh, character uh, went from being a prostitute on her own to being a director of porn films. Oh yeah. my gosh. And she is an artist. You know, she wants to bring a, a feminine uh, edge to it. She wants to bring an artistry to it, just like you would see in any other film. But in 84, 85, think about what people were watching. VHS has come. And mm. that changes the porn industry. Because you don't have to go to some seedy theater anymore to watch it. You can watch it at oh. So what happens is anybody can start doing this, right? Now, now that you have cassettes. So her artistry, they can't afford it. The guy who backs her is like, uh, we need to get into these cassettes and we got to stop this artistic stuff, okay? Now, does that make her happy? You know it does not. Also, some of the other prostitutes that we've uh, known and actually grown to love, one of them has become a porn star. She's in LA, but she has substance abuse problems. At the beginning of this third season, she's just come out of rehab for who knows how many times. And then she's thrown right back into it because there is uh, a porn uh, convention in oh, uh, Vegas that she has to go to. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character goes there. It's the big one. It still happens now. This is all based on real things. So this is actually the precursor to things like Comic-Con. It started Sorry. here with porn because oh, this boy. is where, you know, guys could go because what they had was like almost like a CES where you have a, a, a electronics kind of convention just below the porn one. So the men could tell their wives, hey, I'm going to this, you know, thing for work for electronics. Oh, my go goodness. on upstairs and get some autographs and everything else. So the whole thing is changing in the 80s here in this show. And we still do have some other former prostitutes who are trying to uh, stop the prostitution from happening on 42nd Street. Of course, the cops are trying to stop it. We have a detective we know and love. He's still trying to get this thing cleaned up. And he has found a transit cop. Now, in the 80s in New York City, the NYPD was separate from the, um, the transit cops. Mm -hmm. Two separate things. So the, the transit, uh, they the subway had their own police force with their own detectives. And wow. One of, them, one of them has some novel ways to catch criminals in the subway. And our detective that we've known, he hooks up with him. So what happens there, because it might not be good for certain cops. And of course, we have other people. We have uh, the two brothers played by James Franco, both of them the twins oh, one, of them, one of them I think he's still married but he hasn't been with his wife and who knows how long they still get along for some reason right now but he's been dating his uh, uh, the person who helps him run his bar but that they're living together too but it's not going what that well the at the moment what? his brother who's crazy both of them have worked with the mob but this one has really worked with the mob well now he has a family and kids oh my goodness and how's that going to go? And so on and so forth. 
So yes, we do see one of the characters gets a little age scare. Mm-hmm. And Maggie Gyllenhaal's character meets a new man. And what is that going to be? Because this new man is played by an actor that you don't just hire for one scene. No. So with that, that's enough. This show is another example of a show that's just like, this is who we are. So was I riveted by the return of this, of the deuce? No, but I'm still interested. I do like how they set everything up and I do like the cast. So I will continue watching because this is it. And it's very interesting how they did the time jump into the mid eighties. I think that was very smart. There's a lot for us to see, but this is more of a show that's more like chess than checkers. So I'll have a better understanding by season's end. Well, let's go to FX. Mr. In-Between has started its second season. About 11 episodes. You are such a fanboy over this show. (laughs) And I'm sure you were on the edge of your seat waiting for it to return. Uh, Your last couple of reviews of the show had nothing but glowing remarks. The question really is, does season two deliver quite the bang it did in season one? Well, you've only watched, what, one episode so far, so let's yeah. spill it. <laughs> yeah, and this is, a, you know, it's a dark comedy. That's what it is. It's mm-hmm. a half an hour show. The first season only had six episodes. After season one, FX, that's where this is. And it's an Australian show. It's FX Australia right. involved. They yeah. renewed it for 11 episodes, so that tells you something. Yeah, it does. Now look, let me tell you something. We got Ray. Everybody's favorite hitman, fixer, for a mob presence in Australia, down under. Down under. Think of Ray this way, my friends. Think of Walter White. Mes amis. From Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Think of it this way, toward the end of Breaking Bad. Yes. Kind of like him if he didn't have cancer. Oh, whoa, whoa. Okay. okay. This man right, looks at people... Yeah, this man is looking at people like, you're an idiot. Or in their slang, you're a Muppet. I I just love the slang, by the way. The Muppets, they talk about bashing people. I mean, it's hilarious. He he is in the support, he's in this, not support group, he's in this anger management group. Raph, I talked about this (laughs) from season one. He's still there. He's still looking around these idiots. (laughs) And the head of the group uh, always has a problem with Ray because Ray says things he shouldn't be saying. Uh, so one guy in the group is talking about his girlfriend and how she dresses provocatively and how that's upsetting. He shows all of the guys a picture of her. It's just terrible. And oh, so Ray boy. has his own opinions. The head of the group looks to him and says, you're a misogynist. And he says, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Well, how is that the case? And he rattles off all of this stuff and stumps the guy. I'm not giving that away. It was hilarious. He does have a friend who is one of the mob heads and this friend employs him. So something happens in the first episode of season two that Ray has to come in and clean up, but Ray has a price. (laughs) And this friend Mm -hmm. is trying to haggle with him over that. He's like, look, Ray's like, look, look, bro, you need me, okay, to clean this (laughs) up. So all of that's fun. And outside of all of the killing stuff, he does have a young daughter. He has an ex-wife and he has a girlfriend. 
we met the girlfriend from the beginning in season one. So they're still together. They have this interesting relationship. And, you know, he's now starting to feel more comfortable with her. I won't tell you how that shows up. His daughter, mm. he loves her to bits, to pieces. He'll do anything for her. He, he knocked around some guys in season one over her. Okay? So in this season, she's being bullied. How's that going to play out? Mm-mm. Don't mess around with Ray. And by the end of the first episode, I was crying with laughter. Crying <laughs> with laughter because of the job he took on, what happens. I, I, I got to say. This, the, the guy who plays Ray, Scott Ryan, it created mm-hmm. this. It's based on a film he did, um, mm. and he writes it. He doesn't direct it, though. Uh, Nash, uh, Nash Eg- Egerton does, who is, yes. The oh, Joel's, yeah. Uh-huh. Joel, right. Joel. So mm-hmm. he directs it, but Scott writes it. And Scott, I, maybe he's my spirit animal. I hate to say that about a human. <laughs> but the thoughts in his head, the way he writes it, I'm like, yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm relating with a hitman. <laughs> a hitman. So if you like dark comedies, if you like somebody who is misanthropic or misanthropic, someone who looks at people and goes, come on, who's just exasperated. It's not that he's angry. That's the funny part about it. He's like, come on. And, and you know, in season one, they tried to kill him. They tried to do all kinds of stuff. He just pops up and looks at them and shakes his head. And then they're, they're gone. <laughs> the Muppets and the bashing and everything else. So that's Mr. Inbetween. If you haven't checked it out and you are intrigued, I say go for it. This is one of my favorite shows. Oh, my gosh. There it is. Good gracious. Well, let's move on to one of your other favorite shows. And not in the sense of what we all think as favorite. You just love to let the show wash right over you. And and I'm sure um, season four has been no different. Yes, I'm talking about Queen of the South on USA, already renewed <laughs> for season five. You just love that everyone is so committed. <laughs> yes! The, on the show, they're so committed. Now remember, this is... Um, the female uh, version of uh, what's, that, what's that show on Netflix? Narcos. Um, Narcos, <laughs> but in a uh, tele Nova way, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Um, but we we did we've seen this woman rise from being a somewhat of a common mule to one of the most feared and revered drug lords queen of the south and Mm. the question is has she reached her peak yet or are there some other mountains she needs to climb Mm. wow so yeah and it is based on the telenovela uh la reina del sur Mm -hmm. so we do have that um alice braga is the titular character is she a queen of the south yet yes this show is ridiculous (laughs) But it doesn't waste your time. They don't drag mm. things out. Just right. get on with it. And that's what they do. So <laughs> Alice Braga plays Teresa Mendoza. Um, she, as you said, she went from being a mule. Now she is, she's incorporating the Russians now with her drug business. She's trying, <laughs> she has a bar. She's trying to go legit. She's now in New Orleans with her peeps. Oh boy. So New Orleans brings a whole other set of problems. Complication, yes. There is a judge who wants his cut. There is uh, another criminal faction 
okay? And they want their cut. Then she's dealing with the Russians. It, can she date somebody in the situation? Mm. Oh. She's got nice. her right-hand man still by her pote, my boy. He talks like this the whole time. <laughs> Love that. And the woman who was her antagonist, her inspiration maybe, Camila Vargas is out of the picture. Yes. So is her husband. <gasps> oh, Camila. We love Camila. I mean, I want her back, but it still worked without her. But I miss Veronica Falcone as, as Camila. Anyway, mm. so we're in New Orleans. You know what that means. And oh boy, Teresa is just, she's getting deeper and deeper into problems. And a tragic death happened in this season, season four, that may have changed everything. But Teresa is a smart cookie. Yes, she, she will is. not let emotions drag her into nonsense. But the Russians, she made a deal <laughs> with them by necessity. By necessity. And we don't know who this Russian man is, but his agent, let's say, who's no joke herself, told Teresa before she committed, basically, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? So look, is this a perfect show? No, it ain't supposed to be. I don't care. This is what I'm talking about. Just tell your story. These people are enjoying being ridiculous, but it's not the kind of thing where you're laughing necessarily or where they're doing a wink. They're committed, like you said, Ref. They're serious about this. And I just love it. So I'm certainly looking forward to the next season, uh, which is going to get even more, even more of this story. And again, they're not going to waste your time. We know we're going to go somewhere new in season five. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's stay along that vein a little bit and stick mm -hmm. with Grand Hotel at a on ABC. Now, it's finished its first season. And this comes to us from Eva Longoria. Um, I believe she's one of the executive producers on the show, but we also <laughs> don't neglect to see her pop in and out, I guess. Yeah. Um, maybe. Uh, it is based on a familiar Grand Hotel that you may have seen on Netflix or mm -hmm. Amazon Prime that is in all Spanish. Well, this is not, but we do have it in one of America's favorite cities, <laughs> Miami, if I'm not mistaken, Miami. Yeah. And, uh, what tell me, what happened at the end of the season? Because we know a certain family was over this hotel and, and things go awry. And yeah. Were they able to get it, keep it together? <laughs> yeah, well, this Grand Hotel is a family-owned hotel. It's owned by the Mendoza family. It is. We are at Miami Beach. Yeah, we are. And uh, the patriarch has financial problems. And this has led to him having to get money from the mob. And oh, the mob, yeah. That's never a good idea. <laughs> and the mob boss, we find out throughout the season, is played by Katie Seagal. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. So that's one thing going, can he get out from under that loan? Now, at the opening of the first season, one of the employees, a chef at the hotel, had some dirt on the Mendozas. Right. And it was a hurricane. Oh, she threatened... Yeah the new wife 
of the Patriarch. So that's Santiago, played by Damien Bichir, and his new wife is Gigi, played by Rosalind Sanchez. Now, his former wife, who is now deceased, is played by Eva Longoria. Mm-hmm. And Gigi was Eva Longoria's friend, best friend. Okay. Now, Gigi has two grown daughters, and Santiago has a grown daughter and a grown son. How do they get along, right? So there's some dirt. What's the dirt about? Well, Sky, this chef who threatened them, I won't tell you who she threatened, she winds up missing after running out uh, of the hotel. She thinks she's being chased by somebody. She winds up missing in that hurricane. Her brother comes to investigate, and he does so by going undercover as an employee <laughs> at the hotel. He's not a cop or anything. He just pretends to be somebody else. <laughs> so what does he unearth? And of course he falls in love with somebody that he's not of supposed course. to. Yes. And so on and so forth. And of course we get all kinds of upstairs, downstairs intrigue. Wendy Raquel Robinson plays the person who manages all of the staff and so on and so forth. She has a family. There's a whole thing going on with them. And by the end, how do all of these people interconnect? They do. And do we learn what happened to Sky? We do oh. by the end of season one. But I'll tell you this, that is the least of people's worries because something comes out of the woodwork where, mm. uh-oh, some of these relationships aren't the relationships we thought they were. So, Ooh. Grand Hotel, is it, would I call this a good show? No. But so what? It's a soap Ooh. opera. Now, when I think yeah. of this kind of show, I think of Revenge. Oh, okay. that me, was on ABC. Exactly. That, to me, is the best example of this kind of terrible TV when it's good. Revenge. Mm-hmm. You get Madeline Stowe being on voice and giving those slapping people <laughs> <laughs> now does this has this reached that level in season one it has not but hopefully they get a season two i want them to go even further they have the potential for that it, for a summer show it was perfect as that it was perfect as a ridiculous summer show um but they do need to up the ante i will say that if abc decides to bring it back well let's move on to harlots which concluded its third season and we've had so many madam switches. <laughs> we got one madam over here against this other madam, and then that madam leaves. And I can't keep up with who's in charge. And if, if we had a company come in and take over somebody's uh, house, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> By the time it all shakes out, where are we with Harlots? Let me just remind everybody of some of the cast members, not all of them, some. Samantha Morton. Yes. Leslie Manville. Jessica Brown Findlay. Liv Tyler. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, season three, again, we're in the 18th century in London. Now, do they have the worst pies in London? Maybe. (laughs) Okay. And I talked about the beginning, uh, at the beginning of this season, Ref, where Leslie Manville's character, Lydia, one of the madams. Yes, Harlots is literal as a title. Right, right. Was in the insane asylum. Yes. And Leslie was doing the acting work of Giants. 
I'm just. I told y'all to just watch that first episode, even if you haven't seen, even if you don't want to watch the show. Just go, just go see her stand up on the bed and think she's seeing her son, but she's really seeing the son. She doesn't know she's really seeing the son. Like, please. Now, instead of me going through all of this stuff about Harleys, I'll say it this way. Okay. There were four murders this season. Mm. All important characters dead. Oi, 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 oi. One of them we saw coming. Mm-hmm. Another one we didn't see coming, but it was fitting. Oh, it was okay. like, oh, great. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Another one was one of the funniest moments oh, I've seen geez. on television this year. Oh, boy. One of the funniest. It does involve Leslie Manville. I'll tell you that she sits back and watches. <laughs> oh, you're so silly. And watches. <laughs> and the fourth one was a shocker. Tragic. Can't believe it. What? No, I was sorry. like, wait a minute. What? Because <laughs> you're like, they can't survive that. That's the thought in your head. You're like, they can't survive that. So I think off of this show. What? Oh. Now. Lexi Manville's not the only one. All these people could act. Samantha Morton, remember, is supposed to be dead. She was sentenced to death, but left, but uh, given a reprieve in secret and sent off to the States. This (laughs) woman comes back to London. (laughs) Married. Married. She she was an indentured, indentured servant in the States. Married. How does she get back? And she finds something out. Now, she has a friend, Nance, who's another madam. Nance takes over her business. Why? Mm -hmm. Now, remember, Samantha Morton's character has two daughters. Both are harlots. And they have taken over her business. Why is Nance now in control? The younger of the two daughters is in league with somebody new at the end of the season. I won't tell you who. Uh, uh, You go, what? Really? And they are involved in a murder. <laughs> uh-oh, <laughs> the you go, oh, oh, yeah, it's about time. Thank you. Even though I love that actor. <laughs> I mean, Liv Tyler's finding out, because we find out that she has a secret throughout uh, her whole arc. It now comes to fruition. It ain't good for her, but she conquers that. So it's all, all of this stuff. Remember this show, since it's in the 18th century, the whole undercurrent that they never throw in your face is, what can women do to gain mm-hmm. control in the 18th century? Forget right. now. In the 18th century, how can they do that? How can they manipulate men to get to what they need to? Because we even have a prince show up because Lydia Quigley, played by Leslie Manville, finds this new girl in the asylum. Of course, they get out. He <laughs> grooms her, and she turns into maybe one of the best harlots on the planet. <laughs> oh, you know, no. I won't tell you what that looks like. So here's the thing. This is definitely the best season of Harlots. I was thoroughly entertained. The, I, there was not one storyline, because there's so many, I didn't get to all of them. There was not one. They even get into the slave trade. Oh, oh boy. Where they're kidnapping freed slaves and trying to put them back like it's 12 years a slave. Anyway. Oh, they. 
every storyline I cared about, everything was interesting. The whole world is so rich now that I can't wait for season four. I don't know what's coming, but with these people in the cast, it's going to be something good. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's end this. Good gracious, that's so much TV with something that we both got a chance to watch the entire season and look forward to the next season already. Has it already been six seasons of Younger on Crazy. TV land? Six seasons, how can this be? It's already know. renewed, like I said, for season seven, which we are two episodes. Very- 72 episodes, half hour. Half hour, yeah. though. Yeah, half hour. And this comes to us from Darren Starr. And if you're like, wait a minute, Darren Starr, Darren Starr. Yes, Sex in the City, Darren Starr. But a 30-minute quick hit is what I want to call it. 30-minute quick hit version of Sex in the City. Now, I have my opinions about this season, and you do too. So I'll let you go ahead and walk us through the very ever-changing um, I, I, I can't keep up. I literally can't keep up who's where, when, who's employed, who's not, who's in charge, who's not. Like, it was all over the place. But then there was also a ray of sunshine as we see one of our beloved characters take a huge life leap. Mm. So Liza finally, everybody knows. Everybody she knows. Ain't, she ain't 26, she 40. I yes. mean, but after seven seasons, she's 100. I mean, who knows? Well, but. <laughs> I liked how they explained it, though, that she's she's she says, I'm the spirit of millennial. Like, a millennial yes. is a spirit. Millennial is a mindset. Which I thought, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Because I didn't know how they were going to get out of that. <laughs> Can I, let me just tell y'all something. When we finally see how, okay, finally, now everybody knows that Liza was lying about her age, like everybody. It goes viral. Yeah. The way that they revealed that to different characters at different times was so smart. Mm-hmm. When you finally see Diana, who was her boss, now her colleague, when she finds out, because really Liza and Diana are friends, even though it doesn't look like that, like, <laughs> like that. And Miriam Shore is Diana, that moment was great. Yeah, it was. It was very good. Very I'm sure if you don't know, is an actress to be reckoned with. Yes. You didn't see the final seasons of The Americans and you're going to just know she's coming? Yeah. And you don't know how. Right. And I got that, a glimpse into that person again in that moment when she found, found out and they gave her her episode to do it. It was such good writing and acting. And this is when I go, hmm, this is where I start thinking, hmm, Emmys, hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Miriam Shore, hello. But that's, of course, not the whole season. So Liza does that. And this means that Liza can now be a little more open with other things. Charles, who used to be her boss, still is her boss, was the publisher, wasn't the publisher, is the publisher. Is the publisher. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they're dating out in the open. Remember, Liza edited a book from his ex-wife about him and her marriage. Oh, complicated. Her friend, Chelsea, uh uh-oh, played by Hilary Duff. Well, Chelsea becomes the publisher. Yeah. But does she stay the publisher? Oh. And who's behind all of this? What's going on with that? 
Can I just say that Kelsey and Zane, Kelsey and Zane, let me tell y'all something. Um, I don't need them to try to drive the plot. I'm just going to put it that way. Um, I don't care. Okay. No, I don't care about it on that level. They can do that little back and forth thing, but don't try to make it serious at the end of the season. I'm just saying. Yeah. Love the show, not, I wasn't feeling that. Sorry. Zane can go. So you don't want to put him in that situation. The character, not the actor. The character, the actor's perfect. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Now we also have Liza. Remember, she's with Charles, but she used to be loving on Nico Tortorella's character. Oh, right? Josh. Josh. Yeah. Hmm. They were so, in love. What, I would say they were in love. And there's this even there's this tattoo that Liza has that he wants to start putting on other people. She's like, um, no. Why not? And he, I think he liked that she said no. Of Means course he did. There may be something we may be seeing in season seven. Huh. Mm-hmm. And I hope it's not his baby mama. Oy. Let's not go there again. That was not good. I just gotta say. Um, but you know, they got that out of their system. So, okay, what's gonna happen? Because at the end of season six, somebody has made a proposal. What kind of proposal? I won't tell you. Is it a book proposal? Is it something else? Also, Diana has gotten married. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting to Enzo. <laughs> the bar. <laughs> and it's Baba. I mean, throwing shade every chance she gets. Oh my gosh, so much shade. She can't stop it. We also have uh, Liza's other friend, played by Debbie Mazar, Maggie. She's just there being the cool chick. <laughs> and so on and so forth. So overall, for me, Raph, I enjoyed this season of Younger. Absolutely. Was it one of my favorite seasons? No, it wasn't. No. But... I definitely want to see season seven. I want to see where they're going. I still am in, invested in these characters. And really, really, let me tell y'all something. These actors, especially the core, this is another example, and I'm so glad to say it again, where people are coming to work, they're invested. This is not the kind of show where you have to be invested. It's just a light summer show. These yeah. people came to work. They yeah, come to they work, do. they have a good time, and you enjoy them as well. And then when they're called to do something great, they hit the mark. Yes, I have to echo that, and we'll end it. I um, have to say, agree. I have to agree with you. This was not my favorite season, although a lot of the plot of the overall story, I mean, it, it sprung forward. Yeah. And I, I think we're going to be surprised about the ending. Because they've been hinting, and I'm not going to give it away to the to the reader to the listeners. They've been hinting more and more. Even her saying millennial is a mindset, and you know, do you do what you're supposed to do, or do you do what you feel is right? And so I think we're going to have a, somewhat of a surprise ending that maybe we won't see coming, but we'll, we'll see in season seven. I do hope that they go back to the edginess of the first three seasons. This, there was like poor, um, the redheaded uh, friend. She's just sort of, you know, shucking and jiving. They got Josh on the sidelines, shucking and jiving. Really, let's get back to the essence of younger. It's mm. called younger. And they're always pushing the envelope forward. So I hope to see more of that. Overall, Younger is one of my favorite summer shows. And
and we can't wait to see it return. Yes, listeners, it's been that kind of week where we've got some new shows, some returning shows, and then shows we're saying goodbye for until next season. But we're not saying goodbye to you. We're not saying goodbye to TV. We will always eternally be saying hello. But keep it here on at Why Watch that we promise we'll give you a good show that we can suggest to you. But until then, enjoy what you've heard so far. <laughs> Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.